Welcome into 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Today we're going to look at Dane Brugler of The Athletic. His top five underrated prospects right now. We're also going to look at PFF's top five rookies from this past week in the NFL. Our after-close segment looks at some of the top second-year player performances in the NFL. Then we'll dive into our blackouts, some bad performances from rookies and draft prospects on the week. And then we're going to raise a glass to some of the top college prospect performances in week six here. Looking forward to it. Let's get it. Reminder that this podcast is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use promo code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. And we are currently giving away a signed Saquon Barkley jersey. Rate and review the podcast and we'll be choosing a winner next week or the week after. Mike, we're back in studio here, here in lovely Cincinnati. But the backdrop, I, I, I call, I made a call to the editors, okay, I was, or the producer, our producer Quinn, Mike Quinn, who I would encourage everyone to follow on Twitter. I think it's Quinn Time, something along those lines. Dude's a legend. Got South Bend back here, you know? What do, what do you think, man? What do you think of the backdrop here? So I came in, and you told me this is Notre Dame, and I'm like, that's not Notre Dame. That, that <laughs> looks like shit. And which South Bend, I mean... Kind of looks like Dude, South Bend sucks. I, we went there city. when we interviewed Drew Tranquil, Jerry Tillery, mm-hmm. and Miles Boykin there in South Bend. The city sucks. Notre Dame campus, though, it's like they dumped all of their money into the Notre Dame campus, and everything outside of that is just garbage. Yeah, I mean, a lot of money is encapsulated into that yeah. few blocks that is Notre Dame. But yeah, uh, they're building it up around Notre mm-hmm. Dame. It's getting a little nicer around there. But yeah, if you go downtown South Bend, it's it's. There's not much to do. Let's just say that. How was your weekend, man? Any, any highlights from the weekend? Oh, I have one big highlight. <laughs> I from knew you were going to bring this up. That was you talking trash to me all Saturday when we we're. <laughs> if you if you don't know Austin, he is an ultimate trash talker. Pretty much anything he does. And so when he talks trash to me when we were playing beer die, which if you never played beer die, it's the, the best drinking game to play when you're watching football. And I said at one point in the game, I said I'm gonna hit your cup to beat you, and then. I hit his cup to beat him in a best of three series. It was honestly the worst beard eye performance I've ever put together. Yeah, you I was like six. In a row. I was horrendous, yeah. and I was dreading this moment to bring it up. I had a terrible weekend. My weekend was <laughs> awful. That was a huge part of it. You I made should've. a ton of other bad decisions this weekend. Uh, I bet a ton of money on the Chiefs and just watched that fail, you know, wash away here. Yeah, and that was, one did. I bet away. on the Falcons again and just got let down again. I, I, it was a bad financial week, yeah. bad football week. Beard eye. I was a freaking disaster the partner i had a guy i just met the guy i just met the guy and you know when you just meet someone you're trying to freaking flex on a little bit show that you can play beard eye he, he whispers in my ear he's like hey man they're trying to throw at you right now i can try and catch some if you want i almost freaking, <laughs> i almost like died right there i was like oh my gosh this guy's treating me like i'm a loser do you need a sub it was so bad dude it was mm-hmm. so so bad it's um, like that guy and when you're playing pickup basketball mm-hmm. they're like just pass it a little bit. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what around was. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into Dane Brugler's top five um, underrated prospects. Dane Brugler, friend of the podcast, we've called him before, and I quote, an elite mind in the space. You made fun of me for it, but we're going to continue to roll with it. But Dane Brugler, go ahead and kick us off. Read this full list to us, and let's let's look at some of these prospects. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting list because Dane, obviously well-connected around the NFL, 
probably a little bit more so than us, but a lot more so than us at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and We're so not playing he, beard he eye with his, any GMs. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, and so he gets to hear this buzz from people. And, and some of these names we've brought up already. Uh, first one on his list, Jordan Smith, the UAB uh, edge defender. We we brought up, I think, last week uh, for his performance, the six foot seven long edge defender who we came into the season saying he needs to get a little uh, stronger. Like he was, I think he was at 245 last year, was very skinny off the edge and definitely has added that aspect to his games up to 255 this year and has produced pretty much game in and game out. So interested to see how he developed. I'm pretty sure Jordan Smith, so edge defender for UAB, six foot, six, listed at six foot seven, 255, like you said. I think he has the highest pass rush win rate of any edge defender in college football right now. Of course, it's weird comparing edge defenders right now because mm-hmm. there's guys in the SEC that don't have anywhere near the number of snaps that um, he yeah. has. He's played over in, in four games now. However, the production has been very good. A 90.1 pass rushing grade against Central Arkansas, 89.3 against South Alabama, 22 total pressures already so far this year. It, the production has been there, and I think what you rarely see on underrated prospect lists from other analysts are guys with really good production. Usually it's guys that are freak athletes that, yeah. like on Bruce Feldman's freaks list or whatever it may be. To see a guy that is grading really, really well for us so far this year that is on another person's um, prospect list or underrated list is, is encouraging to see. And the interesting the thing that kind of sucks for Jordan Smith is that his schedule the rest of the season, you're not going to face the NFL caliber tank. No. So if he's probably going to dominate. He's probably going to you know stay near the top in terms of pass wish, rush win rate. But he's a guy who we really won't know. I mean, he needs a senior bowl. He needs a senior bowl, that sort of thing. All right, number two on this list, uh, Christian Derisaw, offensive tackle for Virginia, six foot five, three hundred fourteen pounds. He is one of the highest graded players in college football this year. The he, highest graded tackle, the yes. highest graded tackle, a ninety four point eight PFF grade so far this year, a ninety four point zero run blocking grade. And for those that don't know PFF system, you can kind of infer that blocking, gr- earning well. Earning good grades as a run blocker, you're pancaking guys, you're moving guys off line scrimmage. But also, what's really important, and Derisaw has done a good job of this, it's avoiding negative plays, avoiding yeah. missing blocks and those types of things. That gets, I think, underrated when looking at good run blockers. Like people want people movers, these pancake guys, but you can't yeah. miss blocks either. You can't give up uh, tackles in the backfield, and that's something he's done a really good job of this year as well. Yeah, he's very athletic, and he plays an under control brand of football for being that athletic. Like he's not out of control trying to kill guys usually you see guys with high run blocking grades you think like said those people movers who are trying to crush guys and no he's just very sound play after play i was very impressed with him watching his tape he's allowed only four pressures all season long on 89 pass blocking snaps and honestly they weren't even like that bad of pressure some of them weren't were not even like one-on-one losses they were just blitz pickups that uh went a little awry for him so i'm a fan of his game true junior but he took a prep year which i'd call him a redshirt junior at that point so but I think this guy probably comes out and is probably so. This is the, the article con- concept was Kuka push into the first round. I could see this guy make his way in the first round. Wow. That's the type of athlete I, we're talking about a tackle here, and he's been a three-year starter for Virginia Tech. So there you go. Um, looking at the next guy on his list is Terrace Marshall Jr., who it, <laughs> blew up this past week. Had yeah. a ton of production, has a, a ton of touchdowns so far this year. Six foot three, two hundred pounder who plays for LSU, whereas number six for them plays a ton in the slot. And you look at that as a bit of an indictment. You know, you can't win outside. Jamar Chase was winning outside before he opted out. But I don't know if you heard on the broadcast on Sunday night when Chris said he was talking to Justin Jefferson and said, "Hey man, like, why are you playing the slot at LSU? Get you the had tarts. the size, the four four. And he's like, "They told me." 
if I play in the slot, I'm going to catch a shitload of touchdowns. And mm-hmm. they're like, that's exactly what they're doing now with Terrace Marshall Jr. And part of me, I, I watched all of his targets this past week and in the weeks prior. Part of me is concerned because you don't see him against single coverage. It's the same concerns we have with Justin Jefferson. But with that prior, knowing that LSU puts their top guys or you know believed to be top guys in the slot, I feel like you have to feed into a little bit seeing what he can do after the catch, seeing his speed at the releases and stuff like that. Though he's not seeing this press coverage as much as you'd see on the outside. I think there are some things to his game that I really liked, especially this past week. Yeah, so he's a taller wideout. I think he kind of fits in that bucket at 6'3", 200. But he's fast. Mm-hmm. Like He's averaging 20 yards a catch this year for a guy who's 6'3". He gets off the line of downfield. Yeah, he's a downfield threat at that size. Um, he has four drops this year, but I really don't worry about his ball skills. Like I think he's good at the catch point, just some concentration drops. Uh, but this past week, like you said, 11 catches, 236 yards, monster game for him. Ten of those catches go for first downs. Uh, I think he can add some after the catch as well at six foot three, 200. He has four broken tackles already this season. I still think he's a little skinny, like six three, 200. I th- at six three, I'd rather I'd like to see him up like in the two fifteen range, add some muscle to his frame, but. So I wouldn't put him in the first round conversation with how talented this wide receiver class is. Like, I'm not ready to jump him above guys like Rashad Bateman, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some other guys in in this class. But I think he's firmly a day two guy right now with that combination of size, speed, Mm -hmm. and some good balls. It's another guy, too, that is going to be talked about only having played in the slot a ton at LSU, but he's probably going to go to the combine and light it up a little bit. Similar to what Justin Jefferson surprised a lot of people with his 4-4 and what he did there in Indianapolis. Next guy on this list is, uh, I I saw the Twitter feed talking a ton about him. Joseph Asai, edge defender for Texas, 6'4", 253, wears number 46 for them. I went back and watched this game, and I know he had multiple disruptive plays. I think he, he played really well against the run specifically. I didn't see an elite athlete off the edge. I didn't see him burning people with true speed, but he did win with his hands well. I thought he had really strong hands, violent hands, came down with a handful of chop moves that I thought obviously were successful this past week for pressures. What were your overall opinion of Asai? What is your opinion? So I think he's a guy who uh, I'm not necessarily sure he's going to test out elite as a sort of 40-10 split guy. Mm Mm-hmm. But his cornering is elite. Like you see him dip and bend the edge, kind of like uh, almost like Harold Landry. That uh, reminds me of the way he gets to the edge of offensive tackles and then can get back all the way to the top of the pocket. Of all the guys who are on this list, he would probably be the one I'd be the closest to putting in the first round right now. Asai, I, really? I think he's that good, uh, and that like, he has the body type at I think six four two fifty five that plays off the edge consistently and you know translates well to the NFL in terms of rushing the passer. So I'm a big fan of his game. And like I said, that bend is pretty rare for a guy that size that he has. So Ben, man, talk more about Ben and <laughs> how you value Ben and edge defender. Obviously, I mean, you're looking for explosive bender, athletes. Yeah. You're looking for those 10-yard split guys. However, having that bend is what puts a Harold Landry in the first-round conversation or put others like Kosai. Yeah, it's just it's like – coordination bend flexibility they're kind of all in the same bucket of uh the way a guy moves and there's not a lot of guys who are 255 pounds that move that way and when you have that bend you can just it's easier for you to manipulate offensive tackles it's easier for you to like shrink your strike zone and make it more difficult on you know nfl caliber offensive tackles to block you and now he's not uh you know a perfect technician just yet but i think he's good enough and I think that combination is a winning combination. Like that's a tried and true method when guys have that bend, a high level of production and, a, you know, 
I think he has enough burst. He's not like a freaky bursty athlete, but I think he has enough to win off the edge. So I think that's a, like I said, a winning combination off the edge in the NFL. Last guy on Brugler's list we'll bring up here is Jameen Sherwood, the safety for Auburn, wears number 20, six foot two, 220. Uh, I thought in, when we were watching, when I was watching Auburn for whether it was Derek Brown, Noah Benogany, I thought this guy consistently popped off the tape. And, and played a lot of good football. And, and so far this year has not graded exceptionally, 61.6 grade on 228 snaps. But what was what, what's your opinion of him? He did grade really well in 2018 in 85.5 grade on over 200 snaps. But uh, where are you with Sherwood? So he's a big-ass safety. Six, yeah, he plays more linebacker, too. He yeah. lines up more like a linebacker. This guy's 6'2", 220. You see it right away, and he's long for a safety. And you just see that explosiveness from basically the first play to the last uh, and he's super aggressive. Like he's willing to, a lot of guys are explosive, but not willing to, you know, really go attack downhill or attack routes. You see that with him. And so I think we just need to see more of him, but the combination of size, speed, athleticism, and, you know, want to is there for him. As like I say, has graded out averagely through the first three games, but safety's not a position where it's, in our grading, you're just not going to get tested. Like we've, we've said it before. Mm-hmm. You have to watch like a full season of a safety to really get a handle on who he is because there's – you go watch the safety's tape and you're going to watch probably 60% of the snaps in a given game, just him not be involved in whatsoever. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of you know NFL evaluators are devaluing the position and don't want to pay safeties because they're not involved in a lot of plays. But I just need to see more of this guy. But the like the physical tools, reminiscent of like a – Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chin coming out last year. Oh, wow. That's high praise. So, so far this year, he's played 94 snaps in the box, 50 snaps at slot corner, and 75 snaps at free safety. That is Jameen Sherwood uh, of Auburn. It's probably Jamian Sherwood. Jamian? That's probably Jamian. I hate myself, and I apologize for that. All right, let's go ahead and jump now to the NFL, look at our top five rookies from week five. Number one, not surprising really anybody here, Chase Claypool lit it on fire, including his tweet after the game where Mm. he photoshops himself on top of Tom Brady throwing the Good. four up, which I thought was an elite play. One of the more I was elite gonna say, plays on do, Twitter. To, to get on the Steelers, do they just scout their social medias? Like, and is Maybe that they how they, they know which wide receivers are I don't great? know because, what it what, is. AB, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, all elite minds in the social media space wow. to use your time I, I i would not disagree but yeah this past week uh one of the highest graded players in all of the nfl had four touchdowns in this game i thought in my notes he I, i'm ready to almost take an l on what i thought about chase claypool like i thought I, he looks a lot better than what i was paying him as coming out we talked about him maybe moving to tight end we didn't think he was going to test as well as he did he's an athletic freak and you saw it like he's being darius slay oh, yeah, in yeah. one-on-one coverage he beat a handful of guys at outside corner reps the, the, the play that stands out for a lot of people is when nate jerry was running for his life and, and got beat yeah. for the touchdown but like you watch some of those other plays the ball skills stand out his separation ability on intermediate routes i i really do think we may have underrated him because he looked very freaking good in this game no i, I mean i we 100 did what he, he was what 80 something mm-hmm. on our board that that was far too low from what i've seen from him now and i think a lot of that purely is physical development like mm-hmm. he was he came to the combine 10 pounds like 12 pounds heavier Drink than, too much water then no but like he came 12 pounds heavier than he was in college like i think he's still was improving physically like even after four years at Notre Dame because of how much behind the eight ball he was coming from a you know a football program in Canada where he probably wasn't lifting weights or doing anything in terms of uh you know real training your body to be a football player in the NFL and now he is in a full time and he looks like a different player and looks 
like a straight up stud. Like there's no denying it. Like yeah. he had his touchdown with those ridiculous numbers, seven catches for 110 yards, three touchdowns through the air, another one on the ground. And he had one called back. I know that one that, that was, was kind of ticky tack. Yeah. It was a ticky tacky OPI call. Like I've, I am the apologist for OPIs. I, I think there's are. almost always, if it's an it's OPI flag, it always is. But that one was kind of like that one. I think the guy was tripping and the hand was there at the same time. I'll still say it's a fair OPI call because that yeah. that's a, other side is going to be called a DPI. But uh, I do think that Claypool, they just need to play. They need to play him. Like he's got to take James Washington snaps at this point. Yeah, when, I mean, the dude's Johnson, a stud. The dude's a stud. I, yeah. I expected when I saw the box score, I was like, okay, this guy probably had a ton of reps in the slot or something. But you turn it on and yeah. he's beating press outside easily, like just bur- burying kids. Uh, really impressive game for Chase Claypool. Like I said, I think I'm ready to take the L on being too low on Chase Claypool. Uh, number two here is CD Lamb, another receiver that is dominating, another rookie receiver that is dominating through uh, this week. I, ball skills, contested catches, really nice, um, really nice reps going against uh, Darnay Holmes a handful of times. Found open holes in zone. Like, he, he looks very, very good in that Dallas. Cowboys offense. I will say this. Darnay Holmes did have two nice pass breakups guarding C. Lamb yeah. in this game. One on the slant there. I think one was in a corner in the end zone. But uh, C. Lamb in every other way, shape, and form is Game the biz. far exceeding expectations from where he was drafted. Why did he fall as far as he did? I don't understand why he was he fell as far as he did. I mean, I think even if he went top five, he'd be exceeding expectations where he's drafted. True. He's on pace for 1,385 yards this year. Now, <laughs> will he get there with Andy Dalton at QB? Remains to be seen. But that's that's one Dude, of the Andy best. Dalton drops a dime to Michael Gallup. I don't know. If I will say Dalton might be revitalized behind Uh-oh. that with that Uh-oh. receiving core. I'm actually intrigued by what we're going to see from Dalton because he was like people thought of him in a similar light to what they think of Dak. So like what they thought of Dak before like, the Bengals yeah. like like collapsed yes. on themselves and yeah. couldn't build around talent around him and exactly. all that stuff. No, you're not wrong. So I'm just curious to see what he's going to do. But I, I again back to Ceedee Lamb. Ball skills, route running ability—it's all there. Like everything is there to where you don't get that guy at seventeen in nearly any other draft. Yeah. Um, all right, next guy on our list here is Patrick Queen. Uh, and in this game, he had two fumble recoveries, one of which he forced himself on a yeah. sack on Joe Burrow. I, I, I put in here uh, my notes: flies around fast, looks yep. really good as a blitzer. I, I still think that from a grading perspective, like he was Johnny on the spot on that fumble TD. And then, oh yeah, yeah. That one, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but but then the other the, the the sack fumble was nice. It was a nice pursuit pressure coming around the backside. I, I I think speed at the linebacker position puts you in a very good situation. And you see that even with like Devin White's making plays this year. Uh, Devin Bush has looked a lot better this year. Getting athletes at that position is so important. And because those plays don't happen with bad athletes, those plays where he's Johnny on the spot with the fumble TD, where he's chasing Joe Burrow and catches up to him in time to get the fumble, yeah, like yeah, that you don't matters. force a fumble from behind unless you are exploding. Dude, yeah, that guy just detonated on Joe Burrow. LSU on LSU crime. They're both running the same way. Mm -hmm. And and he exploded through them. That doesn't happen unless you are as explosive as Patrick Queen is. Yeah, I I thought it was a really impressive week for him. Uh, Number four, Antoine Winfield Jr. I got to talk more about Patrick Queen. Go go ahead, go ahead. And you do not, another guy to where someone that explosive and that talented should not make it to 28. The Ravens got an absolute, like for their defense and what they do defensively the the ultimate fit for them to get a guy who can fly around the football field can fly into the backfield as a blitzer has an 82.5 blitzing grade or pass rushing grade whatever you want to call it on the season so far he is exactly what they needed at linebacker yes he still has some misreads in coverage and he even had one early in that game where they were playing like cover four and he jumps an under route has a guy coming behind him 
that's going to happen with him, but he's playing much faster than I think he was early on in the season. And you love that he's going to actually just take that chance and break up that route uh, rather than just be stuck in mud, uh, not trusting what he's seeing. Yep. Number four, Antoine Winfield Jr. kind of feels like a distant memory because that game happened on Thursday night. Um, <clears throat> what a good game also, by the way. People were hating on it. I love that game. Yeah, it was fun. That was a good game. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., I... I am not surprised by how quickly he's translated to the NFL. Even yeah. you could call this past performance a good one. I think he's been really good through the first four weeks. They've also asked a lot of him. Playing in the box, rushing the passer, as small as he is, to Very still scary. look like the NFL is not too big for him, while every other rookie defensive back in one way, shape, or form has been toasted on a handful of reps. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. really looks the part um, so far this year. Looks very comfortable playing in Tampa Bay. Yeah, he's awesome. Straight up, this guy's going to be a stud for years to come. The pass breakup he had in that game yes. was pure, <laughs> just, uh, I mean, so they're playing quarters. He's on that side, pure, just like route recognition to where flat footed read, he doesn't give an inch. He doesn't buy what was it Allen Robinson was selling mm-hmm. uh, on any sort of post or deep route, knows it's coming to a dig and just sits there on it. And if it's a well thrown ball, or if I think Foles realized at the last second that, that wasn't open, tried to throw it behind him. That ball's on the spot. He's picking it off. Like, that was a great play from him. And what I also love, one missed tackle all season long on 27 wow. attempts. They could use that. They Like, compared to someone like a Justin Evans and that safety that they mm-hmm. had before him, not good. Yeah. You know, I mean, crazy. like, who was, That route recognition, like, too. Like, I mean, everyone talked... day from attacking Everyone talked about Antoine Winfield Jr.'s instincts coming out. It was one of the first things you saw in his tape at Minnesota is that guy, like, was very good route recognition, knew what he was doing on the back end. Uh, five, Kevin Dotson. Pittsburgh Steelers offensive lineman making it out here on the top five here. Yes. So the second uh, game he's played this season, uh, filling in for injuries up front. Didn't allow pressure on the first one. Now going up against the Eagles, pretty darn good defensive tackle group that only allows one pressure in this one. Guy didn't get a combine invite. Uh, if there's So the Steelers, they scout a couple of positions probably better than anyone else. And one's interior offensive line, the other wide receiver. We've talked about two that they've drafted this year. Look like, I mean, straight up, quality starters already Dotson and Chase Claypool there you go Steelers are ripping it up to start here all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna look at the top uh after close segment here gonna highlight some guys some second year NFL players that performed well this past week and then also our blackout segment looking at college prospects and rookies that had performances they'd like to forget and then we're gonna go to our raise a glass segment looking at um some of the top college prospect performances when we get back all first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge Annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge Annual subscription. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. All right. 
after close, number one on this list is a guy that I just couldn't believe was still catching the football time and time again. I was like, wait, is that that same guy? Travis Fulgham, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, was lighting the Steelers defense on fire. I mean, he was playing exceptionally well this past week. Yeah. I had forgotten about him after the draft. <laughs> so does most of the <laughs> I mean, league. Right? I mean, <laughs> how many times that guy got waived? He got waived by Green Bay, Detroit, I think a handful of other teams as well. Like, finally it sticks it with Philadelphia, and yeah. he's not going anywhere now. I mean, that is an injury-plagued receiving core that needed a guy to show up, and finally it was him. So he was a six-rounder, the Lions, coming out of Old Dominion. Very productive at Old Dominion. I loved his ball skills. I just – he was not a good athlete and was you – know, I. Testing wise, didn't test well. I did not expect him to be able to get open himself at the NFL level. But when the ball's in the air, guy attacks it really well. And you've seen that shit in this past game. Some ridiculous contested catches against Pittsburgh. So many. 10 catches, 152 yards. Now, I'm, I'm not sure he's your, you know, like, great game. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I'm not sure you're like, this is your one going forward. He's not just going to take Alshon Jeffrey's <laughs> shoes right now. It, it is one game. I will pump the brakes a little bit but man he looked good he did he look good. good i mean it, it you, you you see that lack of athleticism a bit when like such a high percentage of his targets were contested yeah. i mean this guy was in a lot in situations where he had to come down with uh good ball skills and contested catch situations but you still love to see it from a former six rounder that's been through the ringer so far in his nfl career another receiver i'll mention a second year guy i guess i'll do these two back to back here's darius slate and dk metcalf both of them looked really good this past week i'll start with dk dk is might be might be this guy like might might be a legit wide, like wide receiver one in the NFL. I remember we talked about him a little bit, saying he's never going to be a guy that catches a hundred balls for you in a season or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. He looks he looked really good in this game, running in breaking routes and different route concepts over like goes and etc. Like I thought looked really good in this game to a point where I think maybe DK Metcalf is vaulting himself into wide receiver you know top wide receiver stats in the NFL. Well, still only six catches. Which, if you do that for a whole season, would only be 96 catches. True. So not 100. I apologize. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, he has. Like, he has. I had high expectations for him. He mm-hmm. was our number one wide receiver. But he was still 14th on our board or something like that. He still was not, like, yeah. in the territory of, I feel great about him mm-hmm. as a wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's going to be this guy. Like, I, if you knew he was going to be this, he would be a top 5, 10 pick yeah. in the NFL draft. So. Did not see it being this dominant, but man, he is just, like I said, that physical advantage of being 230 pounds with a get off at the line of scrimmage that rivals, you know, 180, like Deshaun Jackson's, like rivals these undersized guys that he can just beat you so many different ways that uh, he doesn't need to be a complete route runner. And yeah. He doesn't need to catch 100 balls to make a massive, massive impact. I mean, he's the only receiver in the NFL with 90-plus receiving yards in every yeah. game. Yeah. And he's done it on only 22 receptions. Like you said, he's not at, he's not even on pace for 100 receptions this season. He wins the valuable routes downfield. Yeah, but I will say seven. in this game more than others, I felt like he was winning – a, a more variable route, you know, route trade. Like yeah. he was doing a lot no, of different, was... a lot of different things for Seattle, and they were going to him. They were feeding him when the game was on the line. That, that, the I mean, fourth, it, the, I don't know what happened to Cameron Dancer on that play. Uh, by the way, like, he was so lost at the catch point in this entire game. Like it was brutal to watch. But DK Metcalf looked he really was good. Like four yards away from the ball, like 
thinking yeah, he was and on the David Moore drop touchdown too. Cameron Dancer was like, "Where are you? What, what? What? Where are you on this play?" It was that was tough to watch, man. He he was. Uh, I mean, he and Jeff Gladney both didn't have great games, but it's been tough to watch these rookie corners, man. So many of them getting thrown to the dogs. Um, a couple more guys I'll mention here. Um, Chris Lindstrom earned a really high grade this past week for the Atlanta Falcons. Jamel Dean was pretty lights out on Thursday night. He is he another awesome. one. And even that touchdown he gave up to Jimmy Graham, the one hander. Yeah, like. That was great coverage. Yeah, it you was. cannot like if you make if you force a guy to make a one handed touchdown catch uh, mm-hmm. in his hip, you did your job. Yeah, I don't give a damn that it, it got hauled in. Rashad Fenton has had back to back weeks now too, looking really good for the Kansas State Chiefs playing outside corner. And then the last guy here is Cleveland Furl had up there with one of the better games of his career going Uh-oh. against Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-oh. And I'm not I'm not saying that, again it's one game, but in this one beat guards twice beat beat the uh, the left guard twice uh, rushing the passer had hit Eric Fisher with a dirty spin move late in the game for a pressure and also walked him back for a sack on Patrick Mahomes played well against the run a handful of times as well this is easily one of the better games of his NFL career and I don't think he showed anything he can't do again yeah. he didn't like beat some guy off the edge with crazy speed for once it was like he's going to be a power rusher he's going to get kicked inside on passing downs but if you can beat guards consistently and walk some tackles back like Eric Fisher that is at least way better than where he was projecting a few games ago or you know six ten weeks ago I think Cleveland Furl you need to see more of that mm-hmm. more consistent you know more consistently winning the line of scrimmage winning your one-on-one matchups with guards I think this is a tip of the cap performance for Furl yeah I always thought that was probably his best role was like interior rusher mm-hmm. was what he looked at his best because he was not a he was not your bend the edge guy. He was not burst off the edge. He was never a great athlete. That was not his game. Uh, and I thought he won with his hands a lot better than he won any other way. And so that just usually works, translates better to the interior. Nine pressures, a little inflated by the fact that Mahomes is just playing an absurd brand of football dude, right now. what was that? That, dude, <laughs> I, and I, I've said that since, what was the game? Might have been week two. I can't remember which Could have even was. been week one. He's been doing this a lot all year. Yeah, or he just, he's turning into Aaron Rodgers. That's what he's doing. Uh oh. And he's thinking because he, you know, I can get away with it. I can, I can back out of any pocket and make something Dude, happen. Dude, he did that crazy back out scramble and then that seed to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, cross just, body. Yeah, what are we doing here? Insane. <laughs> but it's like just because you like that is, I call it with Aaron Rodgers, it's fool's gold. Like that's it's way it's way easier to just step up in a pocket and hit a guy in you know yeah. in the midst of a route. Because guess, what, guess, what, guess what that fool's goal didn't do late in that game? I mean, back, he yeah. tried to do a lot of the same stuff late in that game and could not, could not get it done. It. Yeah. And then, I mean, Raiders hung 40 on them, and it, but I still feel like that offense was not – I mean, Patrick Holmes was making a lot of mistakes, yeah. making a ton of mistakes. And he's just not stepping up in pockets, which is in the long run going to – honestly, it subjects you to more hits. It's yeah. Not stepping up in pockets. Like it's a – you don't want to step up in pockets because it's – you feel like you're not as protected – but that's where you're the most protected is because we're, they're trying to protect you there. You know, you're not protected when you're on your own uh, trying to run for your life. Let's get to our blackouts here. We've been way too positive this entire podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. Starting in the NFL, the obvious blackout segment for the rookie is Joe Burrow. He did not look good in this game. Uh, really struggled in this game. Struggled under pressure. I think uh, averaged fewer than two yards per attempt under pressure. Uh, I... I came away with this game very concerned with Joe Burrow and, and what he's going to be able to do behind this Bengals offensive line. I came away concerned for his health, too. Yeah, yeah. Because he's on pace for 70 sacks, to take 70 sacks this season. <laughs> oh, my God. How many hits? How many combined hits? I mean, this guy's going to hit, get hit over 100 times. Yeah. Um, it's not good. And 
they tried to like they tried to get him to protect himself by doing like empty sets and just get the ball out of his hands before the offensive line could do anything. But that didn't work either because he was what they were throwing at him. He just wasn't. Martindale was in his bag. Yeah, exactly. So many unblocked pressures, and I don't know if that was just an episode on Zach Taylor's part or Martindale, you know, making plays. But like, they had so many unblocked pressures in that game. Like they were getting free 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 rushers all day long. And that pick he had was easily his worst play of the season, where it was just unblocked pressure, and that was panic. Like Mm -hmm. at that point. If you're panic throwing, take the sack. Like he didn't want to do it. And AJ Green's it. effort was kind of got a lot brought on on Twitter. There, did you see the mouth read? He said, "Oh yeah, just trade, trade me." me. Mm. I don't know how that's going to go there. I, I, everyone was saying that he didn't want to get traded this past year, though. I talked to a bunch of the Cincinnati Inquirer guys and say, "No, he wants to be in Cincinnati forever." Is that changed? Maybe I'm not sure. Was there an honorable mention for the blackouts here? I go to the defensive side of the ball. This one, unfortunately. Uh, Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback Lamar Jackson, the cornerback Lamar Jackson. New York Jets really probably shouldn't be playing. The guy was a UDFA, but just because the Jets have nobody at cornerback, he's in there. Uh, he gives up 165 yards this past week uh, <laughs> against the Arizona Cardinals. Not great. Um, yeah, he kind of got torched by Diop. Another rookie cornerback on the torch list here. All right, college college area, Derek King makes the blackout, blackout segment this week. Oh, man, watching him against Clemson was... It, remi- it was, was like, Clemson corners, though. Are yeah, good. that's they, like they have some talent in the secondary. It reminded me of Jamie Newman against Clemson last year, where it's just like you're you're not going to have guys open. You're going to have to create kind of by throwing creatively guys open, mm-hmm. and just they didn't. He doesn't have that in his game. Like that's not part of Dree King's game. And you saw his arm get exposed like that. That pick he threw in the end zone was just late too too slow like that it's just that's why when you hear in the spring why isn't Tariq King getting looks at quarterback it's going to be throws like that the NFL is just like this isn't going to work in the NFL yeah ever, so. I mean it's one thing when you're that small and you have Kyler Murray's arm yes if you're that small and you don't have that arm talent it was pretty wild I always thought that 14 point spread was weird I thought Clemson was going to blow the doors off him they ended up winning 38-3 in that game uh, or not 38-3 sorry 41-17 right yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, I'm dumb. Uh, what was I going to say next here? I just got blown in my, my brain. It's a defensive one. Jabril Cox, Cox, blackout segment. Yes. Uh, obviously, LSU, a blackout for a lot of people defensively. They've been <laughs> a mess. But him in this one gives up five catches for 95 yards in it. Now, he had a nice play against the screen. But yeah, Cox, not. Not seeing the rise like a Patrick Queen did last year with his, you know, transferring from North Coast State to LSU. Not that he's been awful by any means. This past week was easily his worst graded game of the year. But I just think he's kind of he's nowhere near that level of athlete to make his way into the first round. All right. Uh let's jump to the raise a glass segment here. Look at some back positive. Yeah, back to positive. Highlight some of the top prospect performances from this week. Let's let's get Zach Wilson out of the way. Because we were talking about Zach Wilson every freaking week now. No mas, Zach Wilson. This guy Another. is grading really, really well. Went against UTSA. I don't think they covered that number, that Did 34 not. and a half, but he still lit it up. Yeah, so he has his grades this season, passing grades, 90.2, 87.7, 94.1, and 92.7. Just lights out. Game after game after game. And now, again, Navy, L- Troy, LA Tech, UTSA. That, you know, it goes, there's reasons for that. But, I mean, Jordan Loves last year <laughs> was was going up against the same guys and not creating out anywhere near this level. So, 
yeah, I don't know how much longer it's going to take for him to, you know, what he's going to have to do to really how, how, how many games of this it's going to take for him to prove that, you know, I'm a first round quarterback or like I, I belong in that you know, QB three conversation, maybe even QB two conversation, whatever, but he's got the tools, man. The guy's pretty sick. All right. I mean, what, what, so he's not eligible for the senior bowl though. No, it's true. Junior. That, so. I, do you think he comes back to school? That is an interesting one. I feel like he'd probably still be a first rounder. I mean, if he does this all year, I think he's going to be a first rounder. So I don't, you're a first round. You, you leave. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, another guy, we, we talked about him. Uh, we talked about Christian Derisaw. Christian yeah. Derisaw playing well this past week. And running back season, Travis Man. Etienne, Najah Harris, Khalil Herbert, Michael Carter. I, th- Khalil Herbert's getting some love around the nation right now. A yeah. lot of people are big fans of his game. And Travis Etienne, this is the first thing I put in my notes. Why in the hell is Travis Etienne not playing in the NFL this year? Like, the dude looks like a different speed to other players in college football. Different is acceleration, force miss tackle ability. I, I am blown away that he came back to school because I, I think he would be dominating the NFL right now. Yeah, his flat foot acceleration to go from, like, standstill to, man, it's – I haven't seen a guy like that and come out since, I don't know, it's like Saquon Barkley-esque, but I think he's even better than Barkley. Barkley was just, like, so big that he couldn't – it still took him a little bit. Like for a size, Barkley was absurd how fast he'd get up to speed. But, you know, shorter scat back still can get up to speed faster. And I think ETN, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen a guy that looks like that at the college level. And yeah, just they didn't have a chance. Where are you taking Travis Etienne? Oh, don't do this to me. I, I said I said I'd be willing. I'd be willing at the bottom of round two. <laughs> the bottom of round two. What's your take? Oh, I could I could sneak a guy like that into the bottom of round one. I think he's you think enough so? as a receiver. I do like he's that even after what you've seen with Mike Davis right now in the Carolina Panthers it's not about what he is as a runner it's just that that guy can he just is a home run threat yeah it's not about yeah it's more about that aspect of it that you can do I'm interested to hear George and Eric's take so those you don't know George Jahuri and Eric Eager are data scientists here at PFF they also have a podcast the PFF forecast Firmly against drafting running backs, probably what in the top seventy-five picks. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you, I, I think Travis Etienne in round two, when you get outside like top fifty picks, I think you're getting to a point where he adds more to your team than maybe that other th- those other positions could. I, I think when you are modern offenses are taking advantage of guys like that more, like the Packers and what they have with Aaron Jones or. 49ers and like the Packers what they do I want to comment yeah. on that what they do with Aaron Jones is is awesome I mean they play like him he's, outside he's rece- valuable to them mm-hmm. he, he plays outside yes. receiver he plays slot and they yeah. do a, a a very they make it very important to them to keep his legs fresh they're always bringing Jamal yeah. Williams on the backs in because they want to continue to pepper him the football he has some of the highest target rates of any running back in the NFL right now when he's running a route they're often targeting him and that speaks a lot that speaks volumes with Aaron Rodgers kind of peppering him targets I agree that Aaron Jones his usage is a running back usage you can get on board with when you're talking about a guy that's really impactful for your offense yes and if you're giving him jet sweeps and you're not just pounding him on inside zone play after play after play I think that is a valuable role that you can go in above and beyond enough at the running back position to be worth a first round pick. And also like you feel confident when you have a guy that's like that level of an athlete and has broken tackles that much for four straight years at Clemson, you feel very confident. Oh yeah. The confidence level is big too. I agree with that. All right. Last guy on the offensive side of the ball that we're raising the glass to is Kenny Yeboa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Kenny Yeboa. I just want to talk one more about Michael Carter there. North Carolina running back. This guy is awesome to watch. 5'8", 199, ultimate scat back 
I think he might be my favorite scat back in college football. He's broken 20, 20 tackles on 40 attempts so far this season. This past week against Virginia Tech, 214 yards on 17 carries, 11 broken tackles on only of those 17 carries. Was Broke a ton of tackles last year, 49 on 177 attempts, went over 1,000 yards on those attempts. Fan of this guy's game. He's averaging over 10 yards per carry this year. Oh, man. I, uh, I, another guy who... I like I like this type of running back in today's NFL because they are difficult to bring down in space. Yeah, and you need those guys at force tackles, man. All right, Kenny Uboa, the tight end for Ole Miss, 6'4", 240, earned a 90, an 85.5 grade this past week, doing it against Alabama, too. Uh, I, I honestly, this guy's been play, played at Temple for the first four years of his collegiate career, 2016, 17, 18, 19, and then transferred to Ole Miss this past year and looks the part in the SEC through three games. Yeah, did not get utilized in say a favorable usage pattern at temple like he was getting targeted at all underneath stuff mm-hmm. in his career there they're actually using him and his athleticism because he's fairly athletic more down the field obviously his past 181 yards a lot of that was on one chunk you know 68 yard touchdown that he had but makes two real nice adjustments on like back shoulder throws um not going to be much as an inline blocker he's still only 240 pounds uh, so he's kind of like that in between guy so i don't know where he ends up you know the nfl seeing him but as far as just like ball skills and athleticism compared to tight ends he's got a lot more than a lot of guys in this class so uh, my only qualm and i i want to watch him more closely is that um he didn't wear a single digit number at temple so i can't confirm he's whether not or not if he's temple tough well that's why the inline blocking you just got to question that right away if he's uh, not wearing single it's digit. a huge question mark right now and i think if he's got to earn it he did wear 84 at temple and he's still wearing 84 at Ole miss it could be a number he holds near and dear hmm. maybe he was offered the temple tough single digit. i don't know I, I don't think it's an offer um i don't think it's an offer you turn down much but we'll we'll see all right two defensive players we're going to highlight before we jump off the podcast here is darion kendrick and aziz ojulari Darion Kendrick, the Clemson cornerback. He's a monster. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. So and they have, But I like the other guy, too, there. Booth looks good. They have a lot of good defensive backs at Clemson right now. This guy, so on the season, and this one, 0-4, targeted four times, didn't allow a catch, one interception. On the season, he's been targeted eight times, still yet to allow a catch, and has two pass breakups through three games. He's a former wide receiver back in mm-hmm. 2018, started as wide receiver, switched to cornerback last year. And anytime you hear a cornerback's former wide receiver – it gets you a little like going like oh shit <laughs> you might like, have some talent go, oh, okay. okay okay and you're like richard sherman comes to mind joe hayden all these guys who you know made that switch and you're just like okay that's you know that's that's what i that's trayvon what I Diggs. yeah you're like that's gets you going so uh, keith mumphrey it, it, michigan state it's just, <laughs> Sorry. You, all you hear is just upside upside, upside. yeah 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 P- pound back in your head so yeah i he just fucking went to town on the Miami wide receivers in this one. That is awesome. All right, the the other guy you mentioned here, Aziz Ojulari, the uh, uh, Georgia edge, edge defender, six foot three, two hundred forty pounds. Uh, this past week in eight. Oh no, sorry. This so far so far this season, eighty eight point five overall grade, thirteen total pressures on the year. I, he, I think, too. In addition, has one of the highest passers win rates so far this year as well. Yes, and so he looked. Good as a sophomore backer, I guess it was retro freshman back in 2019, 38 pressures. You know, just the fact that you're starting as a retro freshman on the defensive line at Georgia, pretty impressive. I think he's looked even better this year. 13 pressures now through three weeks. A little on the lighter side, 6'3", 240 is listed at, but he's, you know, he's that guy who's that bend, burst type of edge rusher. He had a nice sack fumble where he got almost. Two forced fumbles on the year. Got like almost to the ground, bending the edge, came back to the quarterback. 
against the left tackle there for Tennessee and got the force sack fumble. So it's just a name to watch going forward. I mean, he's off to a really, really good start. 13 pressures on 66 pass rushing snaps and 84.4 grade, two force fumbles. That is is really impressive impressive for Ojulari. Need to see him against Leatherwood this weekend we'll oh, highlight that one let's go the wednesday podcast speaking of which we had a couple of reviews come in this week and i came up with the name for the segment the name for the segment where people rate and review the podcast and they leave names for us to go over on the wednesday podcast someone mentioned it on youtube celeb shot oh. celeb shot is the name so if you rate and review the podcast and leave a name of any rookie any draft prospects we'll even extend it out to any player in college football any nfl player we will go over it on the wednesday podcast on our celeb shot segment just leave a review make sure it's five stars it keeps food on the table for mike it keeps beers in the fridge for mike you definitely need to do that but until next time this is austin gale mike renner two for one drafts.